So uh, we're starting now into an extended uh, period of time where we're going to be looking, leading up to Easter, at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and looking a little bit beyond that to chapter 5 as well. We've spent the first part of our year looking at what it is to be the people of God in terms of our identity in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 4 begins, uh, you know, Paul writes it this way in the Greek with this word, therefore, therefore. And if you have been in uh, any of Adrian Grant's uh, Bible study groups, you know that when you see the word therefore, you are meant to ask, what is it therefore? And that's because it's so important that we understand that what comes next is all predicated on what has already been said. And understanding the identity as God's people uh, that Paul has explained in chapters 1, 2, and 3 is foundational for us being able to move on into what he says next. Because what he says next is, Therefore, I urge you to live a life commensurate with the calling that you have received. And that's what we're going to be unpacking. I'll leave it to, up to Jim to do that. But what I wanted to do today was just remind us, let's not ever lose sight of that fact that, 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 bef- that as we live this out, We can only do it when we actually live it out of a place of who we are, of who we are, that we are called, chosen, and adopted, that we are made alive with Christ, that we are raised with Christ and seated with Christ, that each one of us is a member of God's own household, God's own people, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That's who we are. And then Brian last week gave us that wonderful rendition of that great prayer that says, oh, I just pray, I pray so much that you would understand how much God loves you because that is the source of everything that is to come next. What I really wanted to share with you as we get started is uh, how the Holy Spirit has been working in in, uh, Jim and myself and Carl and those who were preparing this this series. We see last summer as we were originally thinking about this, I thought at this time that we would kind of be drilling down on Ephesians chapter 4, especially verses 10 to 13, and talking a lot about, about discipleship as service, that, that God gives the gifts of, of a pastor, teacher, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, so the body of Christ can be built up. And we were looking at, at really wanting to expound what it was for us to know who we are, to know how we're gifted, and then to be actively involved in serving in the kingdom of God. And that's where I thought we were going. But when Carl and... Uh, and Rachel Kay and Lindsay Wadsworth and, and Jim and I sat down with this passage and really began to dig into it, the Holy Spirit quickly showed us that that's not where this passage goes at all. That's not where Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 take us at all. So we submitted and said, where does the text go? Let's follow the text. Let's follow what Paul says in Ephesians. And I can tell you that over the next number of weeks, you're going to be blown away. I've been blown away. And Jim and I have both had this same sense, we were sharing it this morning, we both had this same sense of God giving us a vision of what's possible, of what's possible. I told Jim, I said, I've seen the promised land, and I know where we're going. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's going to be exciting. And I just want to share with you this one passage that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 in, uh, in the message, which explains to you a little bit about where we're going to go with this and what we think we're going to be unpacking, where Paul says, he says, we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. To be fully alive like Christ. He's going to tell us what that looks like and what that means. 
And that's where we're going. So I'll leave it to Jim to begin unpacking that. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for your spirit, which reveals your word to us and opens it up to us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are and who you have called us to be. We submit to you in everything. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and the sense of love, as Brian said last week, so that out of the abundance of our sense of being loved, we can be set free to love others and to be as Christ is in the world. Just as Jesus was sent, you send us into the world, but not in our own strength or in our power, but in the strength and power of your Holy Spirit because of the love of Christ. Heavenly Father, we know what those words mean, but not all of our hearts have embraced them or understand them or are moved by them. And so I pray that beginning today, beginning with Jim, as you have filled him with your Holy Spirit and given him this message for us, now fill us, now open our ears, now open our hearts, and begin this work of transformation from the inside out, that we would live into the calling that you have given us. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us step by step, make us attentive, make us open, make us excited, and fill us with your love as we seek to become fully alive like Christ. And in his name we pray, amen. Thanks. Again, good morning, everyone. Can you guys hear me? You can hear me? Um, last night or yesterday, I was, uh, I, I was asking my son, Liam, to pray for me for this morning. And one of the things I've been trying to teach him to pray is uh, to, to, to be able to ask God for things that are bigger than some of our imaginations. And so uh, there are times when he'll pray some very uh, common prayers, and those common prayers are what, what are needed. I'll tell him, hey, you know what, buddy, let's just, let's just silence ourselves, and like whatever words come up to your mind, let's just pray those things, right? And there are a lot of times when he's like right on the money. You know, it, it, it's spooky how he prays things for me that I'm like, you don't even know this is going on in my life. And you said this word that what in the world, right? And I'm like staring at him like he's got you know, three heads, and he's like, what are you looking at, you know, kind of thing, and yesterday was one of those moments, right, because it was, just, it was kind of funny, and I think this was for you guys, I was saying, okay, Liam, I, I really want you to pray for our congregation, um, and he has no idea what a congregation is, I was like, okay, it's the church, it's a group of people, so we don't normally close our eyes when we pray, uh, maybe that's a bad habit, maybe it's just bad parenting, I don't know, but uh, we, we, we're, we're praying, and um, I'm saying, okay, buddy, pray what you want to pray. And he's like, okay, God, I, I pray that daddy doesn't get nervous or doesn't do anything foolish up there. <laughs> so that's for your regard. And then I'm like, all right, this is cool. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, like you're like coaching from the side. And you're like, I really want him to pray like that, that, that the preaching would be done in power, right? So I'm doing the fist in the air. And he's like, and that you would punch the congregation in the face? Um, so yeah, if you get punched in the face this morning, um, you, can, you can thank Liam for that. Um, all kidding aside, I, it is one of those things where a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, even the culmination of this journey of where we've been, um, it, it feels like we're at this point. Um, 
I don't use this language too often. I'm not like a feeler type of person. For those of you who know me really well, I, I cry once every five years. I don't, you know, kind of those kinds of things. I don't, I don't use that language too, too much. But I sense in my spirit, and I, I, I could feel it with what I see in our congregation, with the stories that we get, that, that God has brought us to a precipice. Uh, and now, now it's up to us. Right? He's, he's laid a lot of tracks. He's laid a lot of space for us to kind of, all right, like, what are you waiting for? And there's a lot of times when God won't push us, but he'll bring us. Because if he pushes us, and he pushes us too hard, too far, it, it, it's, it's not something that's, you know, our decision. It's not something that we can actually take on and go. The, the invitation that God gives to follow is, is exactly that. It's an invitation. We Hopefully, you, whoever's here and have made that decision, you, you did that without any pressure. You did that because you wanted to. You, you crossed the precipice of where you were to, you know, all the stuff that has to do with faith. And, and I sense, I feel, and it's interesting how Kevin and I were talking about it, and um, it was crazy even uh, looking out at the congregation and seeing the potential. And I know we've talked about it a lot. But we've been praying. We've been praying that as this theme of Ephesians 4 kicks out, as we've been journeying through what Paul's kind of putting out there, uh, these words that are ancient words would not just be relevant for us today, but would be absolutely the thing that convinces us to take that step. It's something that I'm praying that maybe you're sitting here and you've been disenfranchised with church and you're just coming for the sake of someone else. Or maybe you've just like, you know what, this has been my community for years and years on end and I don't actually know where else I would go. I feel like God has brought that edge to us. And in order for this congregation to be that change, that example, that difference in the world today, you know, we, we can do it. You could do it. And I've been praying, we've been praying that Ephesians 4 does exactly that. That the Holy Spirit takes what the Holy Spirit does and is so good at doing and takes whatever little we're able to give just punches us in the face with it. Um, if you got your Bibles with you, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're at. I want to put a disclaimer out there before, uh, because I don't want anybody to email me and say, you handled the text wrongly or whatever. So here's my disclaimer. Ephesians 4 starts off, actually all of Ephesians is about the church. It's about unity in the church and all that sort of stuff, and what God is doing through his body. Right? Ephesians 4, uh, this, this entire passage that we're going to be looking at, which is verses 1 to 4, um, really is talking about what it's like in community and the work that God does. But before we get into that, like I'm not actually going to talk about that. Kevin's going to be doing that next week. I want to talk to you a little bit about what Paul says right before he gets into the whole community and the unity bit. Because I think it's very, simp it's, it's very easy for us to like read those first few sentences and be like, yeah, 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 I get that. Let's get to the, the, the bits where I have to be practical about it. 
And it's funny because as I was doing the study and as I was looking through uh, commentary after commentary, majority of the commentaries do exactly what I just said. They're really rushing into the whole unity and community bit. And yes, that's important, but they miss out on these, last, these, these small little things that I want to focus on this morning. And I believe, I feel like the Holy Spirit has something for us this morning because of that. Here's what Paul says in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Right? So Paul, what Paul's actually done is he's actually saying, look, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, that's like Christmas. Those are gifts. Here's the gift of God. You, you heard Kevin and, and Brian talk about it uh, in their last series, and then if you can remember far back before Advent and Christmas, they started talking a bit about what, what Ephesians is all about, right? The, the, the fullness of Christ, Right? You got some rich passages like the, the same power that, that, that raised Jesus, that, that God exerted to raise Jesus, is in you. Right? Last week, Brian talked about the fact that uh, Paul was grasped by the fact that, you know, being the Jew of Jews, right? Kevin talked a little bit about that the week before. It's like this guy knew how to live life according to the law, he kept the law. And he was gripped by the fact that that stuff was not the economy of God anymore. It was love. It was the way of love. And this love was inclusive of everybody in this world. Here's Paul, who, who lived to persecute Christians, who lived to put Christians, people like you and me, if we lived back in those days, guess what? He took pleasure in putting us to death. And here's a guy who was radically transformed, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what chapter 1, 2, and 3 are. They're like Christmas presents. Well, Christmas is over. It's time to use those gifts. Right? It's January now. The wrapping paper is thrown away. We've got these gifts. And Paul kicks it right into gear in, in I was going to say in January, but in Ephesians chapter 4, where he starts to say, good, now that you recognize all these things, it's time to live. It's time to stop looking at the theology of these things and stop sort of storing these things out. Now it's time to live this out. So what does he mean? What does he mean by, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling? This word doesn't say much. What is the calling? To do, figure that out, we're going to skip past verse 2 and 3 a little bit, because, again, that's something Kevin's going to talk a little bit about, I think. And verse 4 is where he actually starts giving us a clue. He's, he finishes off that whole part where he says, there's one body and one spirit. This is verse 4. And then he wraps it up and he gives us a bigger clue. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. All right, if you, if you like underlying things in your Bible, the word one hope is what you'd want to underline. Because what Paul is doing with that word is he's not saying, this is wishful thinking for you. You know, Jesus doesn't just give us this thing where it's like, you know what, I, I really hope one day he'll come back and I really hope he'll do that. Hope for Paul is something that's rooted in the very present reality that the Holy Spirit has done for him. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 are sort of summarized in that word hope. All the things that Jesus has done brought us back into relationship with God, 
taken out this system where we cannot live by and, and, and invited us into a relationship of love with him. All those things, the power that God used to raise him from the dead that he's put in us, the mystery of the gospel, all those things that Paul mentions in chapter 1, 2, and 3 are summed up in this idea of hope. And for Paul, this isn't just something that he puts on the shelf in his life. He's not just saying, okay, you know what, I've lived my life, I've earned these degrees, now this is just going on the shelf now, and and this is going to be nice and pretty because it's going to make a really great addition. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. This doesn't go on the shelf. It redefines the shelf. All those things that Jesus did for Paul, all those things that Jesus did in Paul, He's like, that's what this life looks like now. And so he says, look, live a life worthy of that calling that you've received. Now, a lot of people, when they read things like this in Scripture, I have, I have, a, I have a few friends who are pastor's kids and have, you know what, have walked away from God. And they've walked away from God precisely for passages like this. I can't live worthy of this calling. And in their mind, living a Christian life is like a balance beam, right? It's like a do's and don't do's. It's like, yeah, yeah, I got to live live this way. And if, you know what, if I fall off, there's judgment. If I fall off, what will people think? You know, and and some of them have gotten back on that balance beam and it's like, yeah, you know what, I got to make sure that I I don't sin, I, I don't, whatever. And we miss what Paul's actually saying. He's not saying that you can, can live a specific life as if to earn God's favor. He's not, saying live, uh, he, he's not saying that you could live out this life as if, hey, it's such a small little carving of life. What he's saying is God has now given you the extent of a 30-lane highway to live in. Live in that as opposed to living up to this. Some of you are not connecting with this. You cannot do any more for God to make him love you anymore. The love of God cost him dearly on that to give you this new life to live. And yet there are still some of us I got to, I got to. Paul's, remember, Paul's a Jewish, got Jewish blood in him. He's like the royalty of all Jews. If anybody knows how to put a little, small little plank for us to walk on, this dude knows. And what's he saying? He goes, this life, the best way you could live this life, the life that's worthy to be lived, live up to this, Get on this freeway, man. Live this life. Explore how wide this life is. Explore how far this life could take you. Stop trying to earn your way because you can't. Live that life. And then he says, hey, this hope. We don't have all day, and I don't want to take up your uh, Swiss chalet time, right? But go back and read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 and see what this guy's talking about. 
that God would look at us and say, you could do nothing to get back in relationship with me. You could do absolutely nothing. So I will. And, and God takes, and, and it, was, it was really interesting. Brian uh, used the definition, I think, from Rod um, that's also found in, in uh, the book of John, 1 John. He talked about this love. He says God pours out this love, and, and, and that's what Paul was grasped by. The fact that we have nothing good to give to God, and God looks at us and says, you know what? I'm going to give you this. This is my grace to you. I'm going to accept you. When nothing you could do could bring you back into those good favors. And that love, that love that he's given to us is not meant to be stored somewhere in the back as if to to include us into another group of people. What Paul is saying is, this hope that God has given to you, the salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit, the community of God, all these things that he's wrapped up in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, the mysteries of God, these things are inclusive of this calling that God now puts out in you. In other words, many of us have been duped to thinking that this salvation thing that we have, this church thing that we do, this God stuff that we're involved in, the fact that the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us warm fuzzies sometimes when we worship, all these things are meant to be contained and staying within us. And Paul's saying, "Uh uh-uh. What God gives to you is this hope. It's contained in all of those things. It's a forward-looking thing, but it comes with a calling. You were called. And you're called to live out this 30-lane highway of life, of everything, that when you go out there and you start seeing the damage that's in this world out there, that you start living out what's the hope in this world, or, or that, the hope that's in you. When you go home and you see broken relationships, guess what? The God who can restore and fix these relationships, that power is in you. That hope is in you. Go stand there and start proclaiming the kingdom there. When you start going out in the world and you start seeing the brokenness, the injustice, and the things like that, don't just turn your face and say, well, you know what? sucks to be them. The calling in our lives, which is contingent on this hope, is something that God's given to us to stand there and to say, yeah, you know what? I don't know what I could do, but I'm going to call down heaven and ask heaven to change this situation. The kids are excited. Are you? Are we? I'll tell you, one of the things that God's kind of been working in my life, and it, this is the uncomfortable part of this passage that I, I have to admit, I'm, I was trying to turn away from, and to be honest with you, I was trying to like, find a way around, but you can't. There are times when I've become the type of person who wants the good stuff of the hope, but not the calling. God, give me the warm fuzzies. Give me the the sense of your power. Give me the sense of what you're doing in my life and how you're going to lead me, but don't call me there. And Paul's saying, no. Life is this new redefined vision of what God wants to do what God can do, and what he wants to do in you, me. The question is that when we start to live our lives, when we live our life wherever we are, 
whether it's in the grocery store, the school, our homes, do we live a life worthy of that calling and everything that's contained within it where we are? Um, we've been talking about this idea of what it means to be fully alive. I don't know if any of you have ever seen uh, a dead body. Um, years and years and years ago, uh, this is going to sound funny to some of you because of who I am, and uh, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, see, some of you are getting here like, oh man, Dr. Jim Chen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that now too. Um, I went on a missions trip to India, and uh, I was just finishing high school, and I had this opportunity to visit a, uh, a hospital at, in Nepal that specialized in burn victims. And so I actually assisted in a few surgeries. And when I say assisted, I mean that term in the loosest way possible. Most of the time, I was just in the room freaking out, right? The most memorable of these situations was a C-section. That was gross. Right? Like, the women know exactly what, what that is. Some of the guys know. So, like, this woman was given the wrong anesthetic, right? And so when they cut her stomach open, she was still feeling the pain. And then the doctors were like, yo, give her some more. So they gave her more anesthetic. And then uh, she, she, she fell back asleep. And uh, when the baby came out, the baby was, was uh, still. Because the amount of anesthetic that they'd given uh, apparently stopped the baby's heart. So this is like a rural hospital, right? Like, I'm standing there with my camera. I'm like, you know, I'm like, what, what am I going to do, right? Like, I'm not a doctor, right? And they're, they're like panicking, total like ER style, like everything, you know, like exactly how it was. And there was a one doctor, he said, you know, bring the, uh, what's that called? The little baby defibrillator. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it the right way. And uh, this baby was like a stillborn child. And the baby, the baby couldn't feel like the spanks or the pinches or whatever that you were doing to, to wake the baby up to restart its body and stuff like that. And the baby was dead. So I'm standing there in the operating room and I'm like, this is not for me. And the doctor is doing everything that he can to, to bring this, this baby back to life, right? And before the last, the absolute last solution was to take these two paddles and put, the, put it on the, the baby's tiny little chest and shock the baby to, to kickstart a heartbeat. And the doctor was, was really, really wise, and he said, you know what, we're not going to do that right now. Bring me a hospital bed. And so the, the doctor uh, dropped the baby about that high, just, just to kind of kickstart its internal organs. And after dropping the baby once or twice, because the baby was premature, after dropping the baby once or twice, the, you, you could hear, you could see the baby's uh, uh, stomach at, at starting to like, okay, there, there's air starting to come in. Like, and, and they're like, okay. And they started bringing all these kinds of things. I've never seen anything like it. I've never been in a situation where, uh, you know, doctors or emergency care personnel have taken the defibrillators and put it on the person's chest and stuff like that. Only in TVs, right? It looks pretty violent. Paul's saying, you used to be a dead person. You had no life apart from God. That wasn't life. Life truly is only life when it's with God. 
He created us for that. Anything outside of that, there's, there's nothing there. It might seem like there is, but there isn't. True life is contained when we live in and through God. And what Paul's saying and what Paul's doing here in Ephesians chapter 4 is he goes, look, the hope that God has given you, the love of God. We're not worthy. Shocks us back into life. The calling of God to go out there into the rest of the world when we see the brokenness of the stuff around us, when we see those things, that same power that he used to bring Jesus back to life is the same power that gives us that beep, 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 beep. That's what it means to be fully alive. It's to be charged with the fact that when God meets us and when God wraps our our spirit and transforms us with the power of his love, with all these things, he gives us a life. And Paul's saying, guess what? It's not for you to earn because you didn't earn it. It's a 30, 40 lane highway. Go. Take this same power. Take this same hope. Take all these things that God has put in you. Don't hide it somewhere. Don't just use it on Sundays when you come to church. Go out there. Live it out. Why? Because that power that has brought you back from the dead can do the same thing in the world. That's the call. You could see why I was trying to navigate around that. Because it's risky. I, I, I realized why, and I want to end with this. There are a lot of things in our culture and in our world that call out to us. I bet that there are a number of us in here for whom there are such pressing issues in our lives that the voices that are calling out from those things are louder than the call of what Paul's saying here. Financial stress, relational stress, the need to succeed, the need to be relevant, the need to find myself, the need to do all these kinds of things. And Paul's saying, guess what? This calling is where you'll find your truest life. Live in it. Engage in it. Because that's what you've been given. I've been praying this morning that for many of us leaving this place this morning, that God would attune our ears to hear that calling afresh. I get it. Um, one of the ways I, I, God speaks to me when, I'm, when I ask him, especially when I'm driving, are through billboard signs. It's hilarious. I was asking God, I said, so what does that look like? What does all this stuff look like that we want to talk about? And there's this sign right, on, right off the highway on, uh, on Thixon. And it said, live debt-free. And right underneath it, there's a bunch of examples of how you could live debt-free. Those of you who are debt-free, you know how to live. Those of us who aren't, yeah, those things call on us. They bear weight on us. Can you imagine what life is like when we owe nobody? Now, can you imagine what life is like 
when the God of heaven and earth, who spoke this world into creation, who sent his son to give us life, to die in our place, to give us life, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, says, go live. Live this life. This hope that's in you, it's not just to make you feel good. It's not just a deposit for your salvation. It's for the here. It's for the now. You see those people who are broken? You see those things, those situations that, the, that you walk into? Guess what? It applies. That's the calling for our lives. That's the vision that we had for this community. I get goosebumps thinking about that. To think that each and every one of you, when you leave these doors, that you get to go back into places of brokenness. That you get to go into places where this life, this hope, gets to be exercised. Question is, are you going to answer that calling? Are you going to go stand there and risk your reputation? Are you going to go stand in that midst and say, yeah, you know what, I don't have the answer, but I know someone who does. Someone who could breathe life into this. Who can give us life. I want to pray for us this, this morning. And I want us to respond this morning. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to think, is the life that I live right now lived in the fullness of what God and how God wants me to live? I also know that there are probably some who have been sitting here at this church week after week, month after month, hearing about this hope, hearing about this joy, hearing about this salvation, hearing about God, and never really getting grasped or never really taking the step. You know it. You know all these things, but you've never really said, yeah, you know what, God, I want to step into the arena with you. I'm in and around the people of God. but I've never really come to know you for who you are. You, you, may be, you may be someone who's been sitting here all your life. If that's you, I want to pray a prayer this morning. And I want you to follow along. I want to pray for you. I, I, want, to, I, I, want, I want this for you. If you would, would you pray this? God, I've heard about your goodness. I've heard about what Jesus has done. And I know I can't earn that. So Lord, I want to bring you into my life. Forgive me for the life that I've lived. Lord, breathe life into me and fill me with your spirit. With your heads bowed down still, if that was you, would you just raise your hands? I, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a risky thing. But if that was you, would you, would you just raise your hand where, where you're at? 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's, there's a lot that God wants to give to us. There's another prayer I want to pray, and I have been praying this fervently this week. This is for the rest of us. Maybe you had no idea that this hope that God gives to us comes with a calling. Maybe something that you heard this morning, maybe something in the worship, maybe something that God's already been doing in your life has been bringing you to the precipice of this place. Maybe God is making it evident for you and you just can no longer stay away. Maybe you're like me and you're like, you know what, I I love this hope bit, but keep this calling away. Maybe this morning that's got to change. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I've done this the wrong way, but I want to re-stamp that in my life. Send me to whoever you need to send me. If that's you, I, I, I want you to raise your hand as well. I want to pray with you. God, send me to these places, the hope, the very thing that's in my life. Lord, help me to live that out, show that. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I want to, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Would you, would you just keep your hands raised? We want to, we want to keep praying and asking God. If, if maybe you're standing here and you're, you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, Jim, there are too many voices in my head right now. I can't hear the calling of God. Would, would, would you raise your hand? We want to pray with you. We want to pray and ask God to say, you know what, come and just slam us in our hearts and take us to a place where we can hear your voice closely. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to do one final thing. Would all of you raise your hands? Would you stand with me? And let us pray. Absolutely. There's absolutely no shame in this. This is us as a people of God saying, you know what, yeah, maybe I've gotten a little bit off track, but Paul is here to say, look, to live fully alive, this is what it's like. And guess what? I believe, I believe that God wants to impart within us a fresh spirit to see what we can be doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are incredible. Without you, God, there's nothing, nothing that we can do, (laughs) nothing we should do. You are the one who infuses us with power. I I thank you, God, that it's that same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, that that you've given that to us, that you've infused within us. So I pray, Lord, that for each one of these individuals, whether they're coming to faith for the first time or whether they're standing for the hundredth time, God, I pray that you would infuse them with power. Open their eyes, as Paul says, to see you and to see where it is that you're leading them, Father. And I pray, God, that that same power would stand and that, Lord, you would do some incredible things because of that hope that exists in us. Lord, we're sick of giving you lip service. Zap us into action.
Charge us. Father, take away the fear. And Lord, I pray that you would push away the enemy to, 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 to stop messing with us in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that we, we, we ask these things not so that we could fill our church, not so that we could, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but God, because you've called us and this is all for your glory. We do this not for us. We love you, God, and we praise you. And I pray all these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.